Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. Then one day I said to myself, I said, self, if you don't get up off this lounge and do something and make a, a change, you're going you're gonna to die here. You'll notice during this part of my podcast that Robin talks about some stats about narcotic addiction and drug deaths. Uh, I didn't question Robin about these uh, stats, so uh, don't take them as gospel. You may remember... Last week, um, I introduced you to Robin. Uh, for 37 of her nearly 58 years on this earth, she managed to somehow fight six addictions, three of them being drugs, alcohol and gambling. She was addicted to ice for 15 years and she really did abuse her body and mind to the limit. How does a 15-year-old girl from a large country family become an addict so young? because she was the victim of violence and sexual abuse as a child. That is why. As a policewoman, I saw the results too many times of young children who'd experienced violence and sex abuse and the lifelong effects that it can have. Robin is testament to that. In those 37 years of addiction, she lost her self-esteem, her house, and probably most of her friends. Those friends would have been more than likely uh, only friends because she was supplying them with drugs that they needed. And then there was the people that turned a blind eye to her gambling addiction and uh, her drug addiction. She really has been to the depths of despair. At 15, she tried pot and it was really the beginning of the end. 
she refers to pot as a gateway drug, which I thought was a, a really true expression. Robin tells us this week about a day that a prank was played on her by some neighbours in a caravan park where she was staying and that prank made her realise that she could die in that caravan park if she didn't do something because she was just so full of self-loathing. She was full of depression. She had nobody and she had nothing and she tried everything previously to try and get out of this life. But this prank and a course that her doctor put her on to made her do something. And and today is a lot about Robin's recovery, uh, her discovery of another world without violence, without drugs and without her many addictions, which she could never, ever have envisaged. She only dreamed of it. She has discovered a world of love, happiness and contentment. And if anybody deserves it, boy, it is Robin. Uh, she also talks about giving evidence at the Royal Commission into ICE and she's also lobbied the government to get changes so that people can access facilities and try and get into rehab and get the treatment that they need. What a turnaround. What an ambassador for those that are struggling. Boy, she has walked the walk and talked the talk, hasn't she? Okay, I uh, hope you enjoy this week. Enjoy is probably the wrong sort of word, but I hope you get something out of it. Have a great week and we'll talk next week. Uh, so what was it that finally made you after nearly four decades, what was it that made you seek some help? Well, I'd actually been trying to get help for a long time, Narelle. Like, I mean, years, like almost a decade. I'd been really, really trying, like, you know, um, I knew that I had to do, I couldn't live like that. My depression, my anxiety, my self-worth, and I had no self-worth, no self-esteem. Like my self-loathing was just, you know, it was terrible. And um, I just wanted to get out of it. And I tried everything. I tried rehab, tried detox. I'd gone to NAs, I'd gone to AAs. Um, yeah, anything. I was uh, going, I was at the doctors every week. I was trying to... Um, you know, get help from them. And I had no support. I didn't have any, like, family support. Like, and when I give my talks as a motivational speaker, I tell people that the opposite to addiction is connection. Like, if somebody's in addiction and they've got no connection and no support, they're going to stay in addiction because they've got nothing to live for and they've got nobody to tell them, you know, it's going to be okay. You just... You know, like, we're here to help you. And, and I think that was my problem is I didn't have any support from anyone, like not having any family. And, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, it was just just terrible. And um, I just, I tried and tried, tried everything around. Um, and I was at my wit's end. And then uh, one day I went to a doctor and, um he said that there was a new program that had started in Newcastle and was called Smart Recovery, which stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. It's a, it's a group-based um, therapy and um, it's a 90-minute um, program that um, is run once a week and 
It's free. You don't have to have a referral. So there's no waiting times. You can walk in off the street because that's the thing that I struggle with. Is, um, and this is why I've um, tried to lobby and I've, you know, I spoke to the, um, the state government and I've gone to the, um, the ICE inquiries and I've given my recommendations and that to the Royal Commission into ICE and because there needs to be help, more help for people who are struggling with addiction. Like, you know, um, I'd be uh, ringing up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'd be crying and saying, look, I need help. Um, you know, I, I can't live like this. And they would say to me, well, um, okay, we'll take down your details and someone will contact you and um, then you go from there. Well, um someone wouldn't get back to you for, you know, three, four, five, six weeks later. And then when that happened, then you'd have to go through another process and you could be waiting up to 12 months before anything actually happened, before you actually got any real help. And um, by that time, most people go back to um, to using, and you know, to their substance because, um, you know, it's... It, there's just nothing there to help people and um, this is why I, I try and, um, you know, lobby to, to get changes done like so people can um, people can access facilities um, easier and be able to get into rehabs and be able to get the treatment that they need because when someone's in addiction, if they cry out for help, they need that help right then. Like you've got to get them then and there when they're ready because... Yeah. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, um, unless you get them when they're ready, um, get them in that um, window where they say they need the help. Um, if you don't help them then, they'll just go back to using because that's the only way they know how to cope. So, yeah, and, and, and which is what you did, isn't it? Like you tried, things didn't work, so you just went back to that life again because – uh, well, I don't know whether I'd say you were comfortable with it, but it's a life you knew and a life that helped you get through your days because you, you, you're searching for somebody to help you and there's nobody there. So you you go back to coping the, the, way, the only way you know. Yeah, with what you're familiar with and what you know is normal. Um, and, um, yeah, so for me, I was trying and trying and um, I went to this program and um, I used to drive down to Newcastle, um, which was about 45 minutes away. I'd go down every week and um, I attended this program for about four months and in that time I was falling on and off the wagon. Like, um, you know, I was still really struggling with my, um, my addiction and um, I was getting really bad reports from the doctor like my liver my liver um, functions were like through the roof like um, oh, yeah. and um, imagine they would. Mm. yeah I was grossly overweight and like um, the suicidal you know tendencies and um, yeah just all that the depression the anxiety because when you're on ice the anxiety and depression is absolutely horrendous like if a normal person that's not on ice, um, it's, you can times it by 10. If someone's on ice, the depression from just a normal person that isn't even taking ice, it'll be like 10, personified 10 times worse when you're on ice, the depression and the anxiety. Like it's, 
Okay. That's, so everything's heightened. Oh, it's terrible. It's um, it's just a terrible drug. Ice is such a terrible drug, and that's that's what happens to people. They just the depression. Um, just it just gets so bad when you're on ice. Um, and that's why a lot of people end their lives when they're on ice because the depression, the anxiety, just um, you know, they just can't cope with it. But so, 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 what do you tell families, for instance, of those? Because there will be people listening who are, I don't know, maybe they're in the grip of addiction themselves, or a family member or friend. Uh, so many families are going through it, and they'd obviously be at their wits' end, like you were. I know there's no magic formula, but what would you tell people who somebody is, they know somebody struggling in the grip of addiction, what would you tell them to start thinking about or doing or saying to help that person with the addiction? Uh, well, firstly, I would say don't enable them, but um, just be there. Meaning? Meaning? Well, um, meaning don't give them the credit card, don't pay their rent, don't lend them your car, don't... Anything, um, anything like that, financial or, you know, um, yeah, don't just don't enable them um, as far as like financially goes because a lot of people enable them and think they're doing the right thing, but all they're doing is just keeping them in addiction longer, you know. Um, yeah, so so just don't enable them as far as money goes and whatever, but tell them, tell them that you support them a hundred a hundred percent and you'll be there for them. Um, yeah, and because like I said a moment ago, the opposite to addiction is connection. And if people haven't got connection, they're going to have addictions because they've got nothing, they've got no one. And so that's what I tell people is just um, is just stay connected um, with them and, um, yeah, just just support them like, um, yeah, in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are on with, for instance, safe injecting rooms. Um, well, see, the idea of the safe injecting rooms, that's really just for heroin. Like that's with, with the injecting rooms, they started them up because people that were on heroin and opioids were going out into the back lanes and are having a, a shot. And they were dying because of um, if you have too much, it'll shut down your respiratory system, and yes. and you'll die. Um, so I don't really like as far as the ice goes. Like it, it would be a waste of time because they're only they were set up to save people's lives, and um, yeah, so people would have be able to go there when they were on heroin, have a sh- have a shot. And then they would be monitored to, for X amount of time to make sure that they hadn't taken too much and they weren't going to die when they walked out on the street. That's what the safe injecting rooms were set up for. So as far as ice goes, like, um, yeah, I think it would be a waste of time for the ice. Like, yeah, that would Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if they wanted to set one oh, – this is just – it's interesting because um, obviously – you're so much more um, educated in that world than I am. But if somebody wanted to 
open a safe injecting room next door to you, how would you feel? I'd be absolutely horrified. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, no, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't want one near or in my street or in my town. Like, it does bring the scourge of society um, into that area. area. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't want it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be, yeah. So, so what you're saying is that the idea is a good idea, but would you agree in saying that it's just not working? Um, I believe that the safe injecting rooms are working for people that have got opioid addictions and they can go, okay. yeah, but yeah. not for ice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because they're only set up to save people's lives, to stop them from overdosing. I mean, with ice, people don't die from an overdose of ice as such. People, the, the main cause of death from ice is like people just losing their shit and like either suiciding or doing something stupid um, because they're really high, like driving a car. And you know what I mean? Um, and doing something yeah, yeah. crazy like that. But um, yeah, so most people don't. There wouldn't be very many deaths from ice um, as a direct result of having a hit of ice and then you're just dying unless you had some underlying um, heart condition or or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What do you think, uh, just a couple of your thoughts on a few things, what do you think about decriminalising marijuana? Um, I honestly, I've got a couple of friends at the moment that have got terminal cancer and um, they're, they're on the medical marijuana products and um, yep. they tell me how good it is, like um, how it makes them sleep, it gives them an appetite, it reduces the pain. Um, I think in that scenario, I think that's wonderful. But um, mm. for people to just get high on, on pot, um, I think pot's a gateway drug and, um, you know, most people start out on pot they don't you know it's highly it's very rare that people will just go straight into using like having an in you know a shot of speed or ice or something mm. like that um mm. yeah most people start out on on marijuana and and i do believe it's a gateway drug um so if it was legalized for medical reasons if people could access it um you know for medical reasons um I think that's wonderful um, if it's helping him because um, I've, I'm very passionate about um, the doctors. As soon as you go to the doctor and you say to the doctor, oh, I've got a bad back or I've got anxiety, or they just say, well, here you go, I've got a pill for that. Mm -hmm. And there's such a um, really bad um, narcotic um, addiction, uh, you know, like people addicted to narcotics and like 85% of all um, uh, drug deaths are narcotics. That, that's prescribed drugs from the doctor. You know, there's only like 15% of people that actually die from street drugs. So mm. I get really annoyed when um, I go to the doctor and they go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you Oxycontin for that. You know what I mean? Like... Um, yeah. And I just believe, like, marijuana for um, the pain, pain management and, like, appetite-wise and, and um, sleeping, I think it's wonderful. And, um, 
Mm. Yeah. I think it's uh, a lot of laziness on the part of the doctor just to give a pill, say, here you go, this will make you feel better or whatever. Uh, I think a lot of it is just getting them some um, psychological help, some mental health, maybe putting them on a mental health plan or just doing something, talking to them other than just giving them a, a pill. But, yeah. We could we could do a we could do a whole uh, podcast oh, on that. Absolutely. And and with your you you said that you um, had a gambling addiction as well. What are your thoughts on the uh, the current spate of gambling ads on every medium imaginable? I find them uh, not only infuriating, but I, I think it's wrong, and I think. For people that do uh, have trouble with gambling, oh, I just, you know, little kids see that. It's, yeah, what are your thoughts? Oh, look, I um, I think the pokies are terrible. It's mainly the pokies that um, people sort of get addicted to, um, mainly. Um, I think they're terrible things. They, um, you know, they just, they ruin people's lives, Narelle, um, you know. Um, you know, the mother goes down, you know, to have a counter lunch and she starts putting a couple of bucks in the pokies and she might have a win and she thinks, oh, this is great. And then next thing you know, she's like gambling away like the family the family money and um, and it, like it's it's legal, you know. It's so criminal but it's legal. Like, And the majority of people that have got gambling problems are, the underprivileged Norel. You won't see some, you know, um, rich people out there gambling on the pokies. It's all the people that can't afford it. And that's what really annoys me with the whole thing. The government is just making so much money off um, these poker machines and they're ruining people's lives, you know. Oh, and yeah. people are yeah. losing everything and then they're, you know, ending their lives because they've blown the, you know, the the family house or something and it's just terrible what's happening you what was your gambling issue if you don't mind me asking and if you don't want to answer that that's fine but what was your issue with gambling was that pokies or um pokies were were the worst when i was on the ice because you could go to a poker machine and look honestly um if i wanted to go and get selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ice today, which I wouldn't, but if I wanted to go and find some, I would go to a, a pub. And I would just hang around the poker machine area and um, they'll come to you because um, people um, with ice and um, uh, pokies, they seem to go hand in hand because when you're on ice, you sort of, you're wide awake for days on end and you've got to have something to do. And a lot of people, they find that um, the pokies, like it, it occupies them. So for me, um, Mine was the pokies, like I would go there and sit for hours, like, and I would put every last cent in them because, like, I was high on ice and, like, what was I going to do, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning except sit there and play the pokies, you know? And, um, yeah, so that was my go-to. Um, I know this is a naive question, but but where did you, like, to play the pokies, you've got to have money, and you were saying that you spent, uh, you know, most of your money on drugs. So where do you get the money? Like, could you? How much would you spend a day at a at a pokey machine? Well, I'll tell you. This is how it was for me, Norelle, and this is like um, where a lot of the depression and stuff. Um, <laughs> would come into play as well. Um, I would just say, like, I was on the Centrelink and whatever because I couldn't hold down a job. Um, so just say I got my $500 Centrelink check today. I waited, like, two weeks to get it. I would go and I would spend maybe $100 on ice 
and then the other $400 I would go as quickly as I could to the nearest poker machine and it would be gone yeah. it would be gone in a matter of like you know an hour maybe if I was lucky I've got a bit of a wind going on I might be there a couple of hours or and then I'd be on the hunt for more money like you know then I'd have oh, to go out and go yeah. shoplifting or you know I'd have to go and try and sell some pot or you know what I mean and just that feeling of knowing that I'd put every cent you know in the pokies and oh, it's terrible it'd be sick it'd be sickening oh absolutely like and um but as soon as you had the ice for me and I know it's the same for a lot of people as soon as I had the ice like after I would basically finish having an injection um, and that ice would rush over me, my next thought would be uh, pokies, pokies. And then that's I would just have tunnel vision and I would have to go to those pokies and I would not stop until I just wasted everything. I would even go home and I would get stuff like things that I would never imagine selling and I would sell them like and I would, you know, even if I only got $20, it was just that compulsion to play the pokies. Like, it was terrible, Narelle. And there's so many people like it. Like, and I don't think you even have to be on drugs. Like, those pokies, um, yeah, they, they, someone wrote a, a song once about it. It's called Blow Up the Pokies. And um, I think that's what they need to do, blow them all up. Mm. Yeah. So, so Robin, you you've been clean now for seven years. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been, and how, oh, what's the word? How great you must now feel, like to be so hopeless, helpless, lost, and then to turn your life around like you have with which started with the smart program as you said how difficult is is it to remain clean um no there's no problem with that Narelle I don't have an issue I will I will never go back to any um substance um like I have occasionally have a bet like um we went to the races on Boxing Day, I had a bet, um, you know, Melbourne Cup, I have a bet on the horses, um, that's fine. I will never, ever take take um, any sort of um, any sort of drug again. Um, yeah, so, and I won't even take um, prescription drugs, Norelle, I use exercise as a tool. Um, yeah. So you've, so you've found, like, your health is now just uh, so good, obviously, with exercising. Like, you really have turned your life around, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, my life's amazing now, Narelle. People tell me, like, for my age, like, I don't look I don't look as old as what I am and they say, like, I can't believe that you've done that to yourself, like, with the drugs and the alcohol and, um, and I just attribute it to um, having a really good um, – like clean living, I, I um, go to the gym um, every day, I ride my bike every day, I spend a couple of hours on exercise every morning, I eat really healthy, um, yeah, and I'm happy, Narelle, I'm really happy, like, um, you know, um, and I'm blessed and I've, I know what the other side is like, I know what it's like to be 
down that other path. And so I I don't take anything for granted. Like I'm grateful for everything. So a lot of people they're not they can't find they're happy because they're not grateful for what they have and they're not happy with what they've got. But for me, I've been down the bad path and I've seen seen and done things that you know some people could never imagine and um now i'm very content and i'm very happy with my life because i'm grateful i'm grateful every day that i survived i'm grateful for the wonderful life that i have and um mm. yeah i feel blessed narelle oh, it's so nice and and you said before that you got married a couple of years ago so you've obviously met uh, a lovely man and you're real and that always helps, doesn't it? As you said, it, it's a connection as well. Uh, that sounds very obvious, I know, but you have missed that connection for so long. You know, in your in those decades when you're in that haze of um, addiction, you craved that addiction. Uh, addiction. You craved, well, you did it crave the addiction, mm-hmm. but you craved a connection. And you found it. Can I ask again? Don't feel like you have to say. But so, how did you meet your husband? Um, I met Andrew um, on the internet. You know that happens so often. I have a very, very well. I've got a number of dear friends that have met. You know, they used to. You used to meet at a pub, but nowadays, I think most. I don't know. I think most people tend to. Well, a, a terrible lot seem to uh, meet on the internet. I can't imagine it myself. It's um, yeah. Oh, I was a uh, you know meeting the boys in the pub. Girl, well, when was that? Back in the seventies. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But no, that that's lovely. Well, that's um, that's how it is now. Like, I don't go to the pubs. You know, I might go there for for lunch or dinner or something like that. Maybe occasionally I go for a band. You know, listen to a band or something. But like pubs just aren't my thing. You know what I mean? Um, hey, when you are at a pub, you know how they say with an alcoholic that you can't have ones. Uh, what is it? Too many. Once too many, a thousand yeah. is never enough. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how you said you might have a little bet at, you know, on Melbourne Cup Day or something. I imagine you would never have an alcoholic drink ever again. Is that right? Or am I being a bit naive? Oh, no. No, I won't ever because that is my mantra. My mantra is um, once too many, a thousand is never enough. And I know. I'm never going to chance that again, Narelle, because I know I have that um, that alcoholic gene. My family's full of alcoholics, and I know I have that gene, and um, I, I just don't want to risk it. Like, I, it took me so long to get out of that addiction, um, you know, that I would never, never, ever um, endanger that, my sobriety. I would never put it in danger of... Um, of, of um, yeah, going down that path again because this is what people don't realise, Narelle. Like I chose to take drugs but I didn't choose to become an addict. And, um, you know, if any of the listeners out there, like my advice to them is just don't. Don't even go there. Like it's all fun and games when you first start out. Like it, it, 
it was like it was for me it was like I could forget about all the trauma and everything that happened to me and I um yeah I enjoyed it but once you become an addict to an addicted and a slave to it it's doesn't there's no fun in it anymore it's it's a lifestyle and you can't get away can't get away from it you know like I spent the best part of um, 10 years trying to beat my like to get help and to get away from it and um, the way that um, I was very lucky and uh, in some ways um, when I was living in my home in the caravan park and I um, was attending the smart recovery program and like I said I was falling on and off the wagon um, I came home one one day, um, one one afternoon, um, and I was drunk. I was really drunk, and I was really high. And um, I turned the stereo stereo up really, really loud. And um, so I proceeded to dance and sing like into the night, late into the night. And um, obviously, living in a caravan park, you've got lots and lots of um, other people living in close proximity in their caravans and um, cabins and whatever. And um, so I passed out, woke up the next morning, went outside and the neighbours had got together and um, they had made a sign up and on it they had wrote the village idiot. And I seen that sign and something in me just snapped. I just thought, oh, my Lord, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, um, just that that sign, that just that little sign in my garden, it just something in me snapped and I thought, you know what, you've got to stop. Like, um, because I, I got on really well with all my neighbours. Like, you know, um, they, um, they knew that I was up to no good, but, like, um, I didn't have a problem with them, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. And I was, yeah, they used to get annoyed with me playing music and stuff, but, you know, apart from that, like, I, I got on pretty good with them. And then this day or this night, they'd have just had enough of me, like, with the loud music and the carry-ons on, and um, that's what they did. And, you know what, I went back and I thanked them, like, a couple of years later. I just thanked I them. I bet you I did. said, you saved my life because um, just that, seeing that sign, um, it just... Yeah, it just snapped me out of it and um, from that day on I just basically threw everything in the bin and I've never looked back, Narelle. Um, it, it sounds like that sign really broke you but also I'm thinking to myself and it that is just, oh, my heart breaks when I hear that. It, but as you say, it was the catalyst. It's what you needed to snap out of this haze But but also – and I know it's um, this probably is a it's not easy to say, but also maybe it reminded you too of when you were kids, and you know when you were going to the tip and all that. Uh, just it all sort of obviously came back to you. Like the, I just, it's so cruel, but something. But it worked. Yeah, absolutely. It? Oh, it was. It stabbed at my heart. Like. Seeing that sign, like, it just was like someone stabbed me in the heart with a big dagger. Like, it really hurt. And um, I've never thought of it that way before, Narelle, but maybe that's what it did. Um, but, um, mm. yeah, from that time on. Um, and then after that, Narelle, um, I 
I sort of went into this really, really bad depression and um, I was curled up on the lounge. I was there for about three months. I, I, I just was so depressed because I didn't know how to live sober, Narelle. I didn't know how. I did not know how to live without drugs and alcohol and antidepressants and all the other stuff. Like, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I laid on that lounge for roughly three months and um, the depression was so bad. I thought, oh, my Lord, this is killing me, this depression. It was so, so bad because I didn't have anything to mask it. And um, then one day I said to myself, I said, self, if you don't get up off this lounge and do something and make, you know, um, make a, a change, you're going you're gonna to die here because my depression was so bad and um, my self-worth and my self-esteem and self-respect, uh, they were just zero. I had nothing. And, um, and funnily enough, all the people that I thought were my friends that used to come around and party with me and buy drugs off me and um, just want to be with me, they weren't there. They scattered like cockroaches. Once I said to them, that's it, there's no more drugs, like uh, Mm. there's Mm. no more partying for me, there's no more drugs to be sold, you'll have to find a new dealer. That was it. They just scattered like cockroaches and I had nobody. Like, you know, before that I had people coming around that I knew weren't really my friends, but it was better than nothing. You know what I mean? I had interaction with people, but when they stopped coming around, I felt even more abandoned. Like I felt more lonely. And um, like I said, I said to myself, self, if you do not um, get up off this lounge and do something, you are going to die here. So I just made the decision to pack up my house and um, put it on the market and um, I gave the keys to um, a friend of mine around the other side of the park and I said, look, can you please list this on the internet? Can you sell it for me? I'll give you a commission. And I loaded up my ute and um, with any with what I needed, what I could fit in the ute and I hit the road and um, I left and I never never looked back. Once I got out of there and got up off that lounge, um, I, I moved um, down the south coast and moved in with a friend of mine and an, old, an elderly lady and um, I moved in with her and then I started slowly, bit by bit, putting my life back together and um, I um, founded um, a smart recovery program of my own and um, at that program, one of um, one of the clients came in, and um, or one of the participants, and I, I told my story, and um, she said, "You really need to share your story because it will help a lot of people." And so that's where it came that I went down the path of a motivational speaker and started um, travelling around regional New South Wales and giving free drug forums and um, speaking to all the community groups and, um, yeah, because at that time ice was really bad and um, out in that area there hadn't been anyone like myself that had the lived experience um, and had just got out of the ice addiction. And um, so everybody wanted to hear about it and, um, 
Yeah, so that, that's where that came from. And, um, yeah, I did that for three years and then um, COVID hit. That sort of put a stop to everything. And um, then as soon as COVID, the borders opened, I came, moved to Queensland and bought a house here. And, um, yeah, now I'm just starting to get back into the um, motivational speaking and I've got a couple of shows coming up and, um, yeah, a couple podcast with you and um yeah look robin today has been oh i'm I'm just gobsmacked (laughs) um but thank you for sharing you know such a personal and powerful story about that insidious life of drug and alcohol addictions and what they can lead to i can see why some people don't live to be able to share that unimaginable sadness that you're talking about on your couch um, and what a, you know, thinking about what a mess they've made of their lives because they can't see a way out, but there is a way out. Um, and sometimes it just takes a, a while to find, doesn't it? But you've managed to come out the other side and I hope you're really proud of the achievements at resurrecting your life because they are phenomenal. And I know that your story will help others because that's why you and I do what we do. We want to make a difference and I, I know you will have. Yeah, absolutely. If my story can just help one family, one person suffering or their family, like that's all that's important to me, to stop anyone going through what I've had to go through. And, um, yeah, I've paid a big price for it, um, but all I wanted all my life was to find happiness and I just, all I I said was if I just want to find happiness before I die and because I've never known happiness, Norelle, I've never known true happiness and now, like, my life is amazing. I've got (laughs) a a beautiful life and I've got beautiful people around me and um, I'm very, very happy. But I wouldn't have had that if I'd stayed in addiction. I would either be gone now I'd be deceased or I'd be in a um I'd be in some institution being looked after being you know eating my food through a straw or something but now my life's amazing I travel the world Narelle every year I go overseas like um yeah doing all the things that I only ever dreamt of so for anyone out there that's listening you can do it you're stronger than you think you're stronger than you think you are. And you know what, Robin? If anybody deserves happiness, it's you. And I think we'll we'll um, stop on that. But thank you so much. Thank you, Narelle. It's been a pleasure. And I love I love what you do with your podcast. It helps so many people. So thank you. If you were here, I'd give you a big hug. Thanks, Robin. I'd give you one too. I probably need one now. <laughs> I reckon you might. You go and get a hug, a hug from your husband. Okay. All right, Robin. Thank you. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Thanks.